Hey, this is Nick King, a.k.a. Bakul for Sinister 1 and 2, and you're listening to Midwest Monsters Podcast. I'm excited. I'm sorry. I picked this topic. I love this movie. It's a scary movie. It's a scary movie. And it still affects me just the same. I cannot put that on. I gotta tell you, something about this movie worked for me. I was oh, like, it rocked. So, I mean, that's kind of, that's debatable, but I mean, it's a great movie. That, you know, I, it's my right as a viewer, as somebody who spends my money and time to go watch these films, to have my opinions and be disappointed. But that's what I love about about this group doing this podcast right now, is that on so many pages, <laughs> we're like right there with each other. But then, I mean, it, it's it's almost inevitable that, uh, you know, half the time we're going to go, you're out of your mind. You are out of your mind. I'm sorry, man. That's... Welcome to the Midwest Monster Podcast. And now, here are your hosts. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We have returned again. This time, Sans Grizz, as we enter uh, our new phase of rotating hosts. Uh, go, gentlemen, inter- introduce yourself here. I am Mad Jan. And I'm Rye Bones. Rye Bones, returning again, had you on the show in the past. What yes. shows did you do? I know you did Phantasm. Phantasm. Uh, we did the episode at the camp out. Uh, yes. Urban Myths, I think it yes. was. Yep. Something like that. Uh, Saw. Saw, so, that's yes. right. Uh, and I think that's the last one I did. I, I think, think you did so. Yeah, yeah. Well, certainly glad to have you back. Uh, also a fitting co-host for the topic we are going to get into tonight, uh, which I hadn't really even mentioned this to any of you guys, but I was thinking we'd just call this episode The Kids Are All Right. Kind of, uh, <laughs> there the we children's... go. Oh, we got to make it The Kids Are I. I. So basically what we're looking at tonight um, is films that deal with uh, basically, children battling monsters. Uh, we have more of a popcorn, happy angle for some of it, and we also go darker and uh, explore the effects it has on children. And uh, the movies that we're covering tonight, which will be uh, the Monster Squad, yes, mm-hmm. The Gate, yes, and Stephen King's It. Right. And it's a late edition, Macaulay Culkin versus Michael Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, any uh, any general thoughts on the three movies uh, we covered, or is there uh, you know general thoughts just on the the theme? Um, I like the idea of kid horror, especially being a child of the '80s and these movies and the early '90s for it, or '90 for it. But I mean, I saw all these movies when I was young. I grew up with them. I've seen it multiple times. I've seen Monster Squad probably several times a week for several years. You know, it was one of those that kind of I kind of really grew up watching. So I'm, I was pumped about this one. I didn't. I don't think I really thought about how many films uh, were kid horror. You know, until I started thinking about it. like even even movies like Little Monsters. Right. right? It's right. not really a horror film per se, but it's kind of in the ballpark. You know, finding out like uh, the Lost Boys was supposed to originally be like. You know, instead of teenagers, like eight-year-olds and stuff like that. Right. There was a lot of marketing to kids and horror, I right. guess, kind of, you know, inadvertently. But uh, it was fun to go back and check some of these out and uh, and dig into. Now, uh, The Gate's the only one that I'd never... 
I don't think I had seen that as a kid. Okay. So well, I, yeah, I, I was just getting ready to ask uh, what you had seen going into this. So that was your only first time viewing? Yeah. Same here. Yeah. I believe I saw The Gate 2 in the early 90s. I don't know if that's <laughs> Which related. Like fairly rare. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't know if that's related at all, but I remember in the early 90s going, don't I need to watch part one? First? I think the, the kid, Tommy, I think Tommy's in both the movies. Yeah, I don't know who else is. Somebody, somebody I know makes it. I don't think it's Dorf. I've, no, I don't, I've never seen the game. Well, if it tells you how long ago this was, I rented that movie the same time I rented Last Action Hero. So, <laughs> man, I get a lot of shit for Last Action Hero. I love, <laughs> love Last Action okay. Hero. I'm in good company there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The Grizz is uh, giving me hell. The red eye. No, no, no. Um, going into uh, you know fair admission here, um, I had not seen the Monster Squad or the Goonies until more recent years. These were these were not. <laughs> Uh, parts of my childhood, right on. Uh, especially, the Goonies wasn't no, uh, because I, you know, I just grew up in a house where I was watching older movies. I, yeah. I wasn't contemporary. Um, so the funny thing is, is why we are creating kind of a, a retro thro- throwback in the Monster Squad uh, to old Universal monsters oh, yeah. to blend with '80s children. I'm the '80s kid that's actually watching the Universal <laughs> monsters instead of the Monster Squad. Bell Lugosi. So um, I love. I love the Monster Squad and the Goonies, but I always, you know, am honest with myself that I don't have the nostalgia right. attachment to it. Um, but you know, still enjoy them nonetheless. And and the Gate was also, like I said, uh, first time viewing for this. I, it's been on my radar for years. It's just one of those ones, you know, among stacks and stacks of movies, either mentally or physically, that we have sitting around yeah. uh, as horror fans that we we keep meaning to get to, but we haven't. So this was a a perfect opportunity for right. it is the, uh, before we you know kind of go in depth to these three films. Um, first and foremost, are there any more movies we'd kind of like to throw out there? You know, just worth a mention um, for the theme that we've thought about that we're not covering, and you know maybe we'll get to them on another episode. But I thought just to kind of you know on the topic um, go with that. If there were any others, anybody we're thinking of. Um, go ahead. Most most of the things I was thinking of are, are uh, generally teenager lead films mm-hmm. you know even though it's kind of marketed with kids in mind like you know I watched Creepshow a lot when I was a kid mm-hmm. the, the second one in particular you know teenagers out in the swim and all this kind of stuff oh, yeah. and, and even that. in the first one you've got the wraparound with the kid who's not yeah. supposed to be reading yeah, yeah, the yeah. comic Tales from the Dark Side yep. same thing you know right. Joey Lawrence is tied up in the <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know stuff like that but yeah te- teens and uh, and early kids were kind of prevalent throughout yeah. a lot of that stuff. And I think it's important to mention, too, the Amblin success of the decade. Oh, um, definitely. Which I definitely. think is better to separate yeah. now instead of feeling obligated to continually say that in <laughs> relation to the films later. But, right. I mean, you know, things from, like, E.T., the, the Goonies, as we mentioned, these things were smash hits. Now, I can't remember exactly the, the year of the Goonies, if it was the same year as these two. It's like 86, I think. It's 86, Okay, so yeah. Yeah, these, about would, the same these might be a direct result of that. I didn't look into it, yeah. but they're fairly close. But, I mean, you know, just the Explorers, Adventure and Babysitting, there's all these movies oh, yeah. in the 80s that, are, that were just wildly successful based on kind of that angle. And then you bring in the horror boom and kind of marry that, and you've got at least a couple of real gems here yeah. um, that we're discussing tonight. And then, you know, obviously you're not going to get into it, and it's not really the same thing, but it is. Like with you, what you were saying with The Lost Boys... Um, you've got Fright Night. Oh yeah, uh, definitely. You mentioned Little Monsters. I've, you know, I had those down there. The last uh, Starfighter, Flight of the Navigator. Yes. Flight of the Navigator yeah. was it, man. Yeah. Oh, um, and um, one more Stand by Me, which is really yes. tonally different in terms of. I mean, we're getting a little darker, but we also that's almost in the vein of it. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I did want to mention that, too, because that tilts more on the side of the effects looking back at it as an adult, which Stephen King yeah. is very, very talented with. He's he's very good at reflection on childhood right. and, and being able to jump right back in to, you know, being in, in the shoes of a child. Um, so, um, yeah, if we don't have any other ones we want to mention, I'd say I mean, we... Uh, I'm sure more will come up as we go along. Okay, so yeah. we're going to be covering the Monster Squad first, but before we dig into that, Rye Bones, if you wouldn't mind sharing again, uh, now I know you mentioned this on a previous episode, yeah. but we're not quite arrogant enough to expect that every single person <laughs> listening has caught every single episode. There's only Phantasm episode, yeah. number 275. So uh, just no. in case, if you wouldn't mind, run us uh, through your unique experience. Um, so I own the poster that belonged to Brent Chalem, who in the movie is uh, Horace or Fat Kid. Um, kind of the short story how that came about. Was, what do you, what uh, do you mean the poster? Like the like his copy of the, of the movie poster. Right. And... Uh, and I'll kind of get into that here in a second. I'll give you kind of the abridged version. But uh, a couple of years back when they put the DVD out, right, and on the special features it talked about how, you know, Brent Chalen died uh, in 97 in Las Vegas. And I'm like, wait a minute. I lived in Vegas in 97. So I just happened to, I just happened to kind of, you know, look it up, did some reading and stuff, and it said that he survived by his dad in Henderson, Nevada. And I'm like, wait a minute, my dad lives in Henderson, Nevada. <laughs> so I got like, I got kind of curious and I just did like a search and I, I found where he lived and I'm like, holy shit, it's only like a mile and a half from my dad's house, you know? Right. So something compelled me, I don't know what, and I just said, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write him a letter. I'm just going to write him a letter saying, you know, your, your kid's not forgotten, this movie is a cult classic for people my age and, you know, just, you know, send out some good vibes out there, right? So I sent the letter off and uh, fast forward about two weeks and I get a letter back in the mail, and it's from a lady, uh, and I'm like, I don't know who this is, so I open it up, and you know, she says, my name is, I'll, I won't say her name, but uh, my name's so-and-so, I'm Alan's, uh, Alan Chalem's widow, I'm like, oh, shit, and she said, Alan passed away six months ago, um, but he would have absolutely loved your letter, <clears throat> and uh you know, you, next to him, you have to be the number two fan of Monster Squad or something. And I'm like, right on. But I'm thinking, do you know how popular this movie is? People my age, you know. But um, she said, next time you're in Vegas, you know, hit me up, and I've got a poster here I'd love to give to you. I'm like, that's cool, man. Like, so a couple months go by. And I think I wrote her a letter back. Hey, I'll be out there in a few months. I'll call you, you know, or something. And um, fast forward a few months, I go out to Vegas, and I give her a call, and we met up. And she just got off the golf course that afternoon, you know. Right. Now, she married uh, Alan after Brent had died in 97. So she never knew him. Oh, okay. She, she'd never, she, she wasn't his mom, it wasn't his stepmom, technically. Uh, so she really didn't have any connection to him at all, other than that her husband was right? already. So we're in the house, and she shows me the poster, and I'm thinking, all right, I just roll it up, put it in the tube, and mail it back home or something, you know. No, it's like printed on a thick cardboard stock. It's not. It's not like the kind you can roll up. Right. It's already framed. Uh, right. So I'm like, holy shit, you know. So I uh, I ended up mailing it back back here at like 125 dollars <laughs> because you couldn't roll the thing up. So I had to right. buy a huge box and right. all this nonsense. But um, yeah, so I, I have the poster at home, and uh, a year or two after I got it. I think I started going to conventions and a couple of cast members came around. And I thought, man, do I get this thing signed? Like, do, is that desecrating it? Is it not? And I thought, you know what? What better tribute 
right? right. The, the, to get the, yeah. to get the story out there, tell the cast and have them sign it. So I've got it signed by all the monsters with the man. Um, I've got it signed by Ashley Bank and Robbie Krieger um, and Mary Ellen Trainer, who's since passed as well, right. uh, and directed Fred Decker. Right on. So I've got all of them on there now. Coming up in a couple months, a few of them are going to be at. Um, Whorehound mm-hmm. Cincinnati 2017. Yes. So I'm going to have a couple couple more signed on it then at that time. So I've got it hanging in my house, though, and I've got the letter to prove it is what it is. And, <laughs> right. You know, that's so awesome. It's kind of cool. So you'd like that movie. I mean, that's that's the thing. You, you took that extra little time out of yeah. your day. You wrote this letter just to say, hey, look, he's gone, but he's not forgotten this movie. I love yeah. this movie. And now you have a... And a piece of the movie, like oh, yeah. his actual poster, you yeah. know. And the cast members, when they when they saw it, they're like, "Oh my god, we have the same poster!" And I'm like, "You should. Well, it's the cast poster." <laughs> like, you know. The, and and I've heard you tell that story to a few of them, I, yeah. like down in Louisville and yeah, with Ashley and Fred. And yeah, I, I've and heard it, it, it's neat to watch you tell the story to people. Yeah, they're always like, "Where did you get this? How exactly. Did you get this? How did you get this?" Is how yeah. what I've heard the most. And the th- the great thing about it, I think I the thing I love about it the most is it was unsolicited and. It's not like I wrote yes, her like, genuine. hey, can you give me something? Like, <laughs> right, I, right. I just literally sent the letter off saying like, hey, man, your kid's not forgotten. Somebody out there still remembers your boy. You know? Yeah. The, 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 the irony of this is, though, is here the timing is weird. He died in like November, December 97 in Vegas. Now, I lived out there at the time. Now, in about October of 97, I was in a video store in Vegas. And I saw Monster Squad you know, on VHS. It's 97, right? Right, yeah. And, man, I grabbed for that movie like there was 20 people behind me trying to get it. I was like, <laughs> oh, my God! Like, and I snatched it off the shelf and rented it and went home and like watched it two three times. And just, you know. So it was kind of funny that, that looking back, I remember that I rented it around the same time that he had kind of died. Yeah. And, and Getting cosmic in Vegas. Yeah, really, man. What happens there doesn't stay there. That's cool. Though. That's a great story. It's yeah. uh, warmth met with mo- with more warmth. Definitely, pretty pretty cool. Definitely one of a kind. Thank you for sharing, yeah, yeah. Mad Chan. Could you deliver us some information on yes. the Monster Squad? Uh, Monster Squad, nineteen eighty seven. Director Fred Decker, written by Shane Black and Fred Decker, uh, starring Andre Gower, Robbie Kiger, Ryan Lambert, Brent Chalem. Right. Uh, My name is Horace. (laughs) Tom Noonan. Oh, man. Francis Dollarhide himself, (laughs) man. Oh, dude. Oh, oh, oh. Oh. There's another uh, uh, last action hero. Right. Oh, yeah. Last action hero. Mary Ellen Trainer. Those are just the ones I wrote down, but it's got so many more. Ashley Banks, Stephen Mock. I mean, tons of them. (laughs) Okay. All right. Uh, initial thoughts on this. I know we all like it. Right. We've kind of addressed that. But, you know, <laughs> just general thoughts about what make this uh, worth watching. Why do you like it? I, I feel like this movie literally, and my note is, this movie was made for us. Like, we were at that right age. You were watching, you were already watching the Universal move, Monster movies that they were portraying. You mm-hmm. know, they, they were remaking. worshiping Stephen King right <laughs> Right, right, yeah. right. I mean, come on. Who amongst you did not want the Stephen King rules t-shirt? Mm-hmm. Now, got it now, who amongst us doesn't <laughs> yeah, have exactly. the Stephen King rules now, t-shirt? Now, if you notice, none of us wear it to conventions because we assume all the rest of us will. Yeah. Well, mine's signed by Andre Gower, so mine's in a frame. Oh, so. there you go. 
That's cool. I do have the fright rags, the movie poster, and, right. the, and the Stephen King's rule shirt. Yeah, so. man. I do yeah. kind of have all three in now that I think about it. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. It's as much as we're adults right now. We just talked about it. We're still buying the shirts. We got the. We're yeah. talking about it now. Yeah. I bought the. Got the DVD. Got the Blu-ray. Got the special edition. You're always looking for that extra. Yeah. And traveling to conventions still to meet these stars of this movie. Yeah. Uh, one could say it's squad goals. <laughs> squad uh, goals. I'm sorry for that. <laughs> no, the, uh, the Blu-ray, I uh, just want to mention, is great. Olive yeah, Films yes. put that out. So if you uh, you didn't know that one was out there, go pick it up. They uh, Olive Films, for some reason, doesn't push a lot of their releases heavily. Some of them kind of just fly under the radar, but that is out there. Um, so uh, so what do we got going on in the Monster Squad? Okay. Well, oh, go ahead. Yeah, essentially, you have um, the Universal Monsters uh, meets... Uh, meets kids. Yeah, here, here's here's the thing that, that, and Fred Decker always says this. The director, he says it's always like he said people always say it's like the Goonies with Universal monsters, and that's kind of how I always portrayed it too. But he said it's more like the Little Rascals meets the Universal monsters. <laughs> and once he said that, I'm like, God, it's so more perfect. Like, it's, you know, more right? Perfect. More, but perfect. it's uh, it's perfecter. It, it, yeah, yeah. You, per- perfecter. Perfector. Uh, you've got a cast of kids that that uh, you know are at that right age to be um, curious, and uh, it kind of goes along really well with everything. Right. You know? So we have a group of kids who are they have a monster club. Yes. And they meet after school. They watch the horror movies. They got this bitchin' clubhouse that. Man, I was jealous of. Even in my teens, I was jealous of this clubhouse, man. And um, just so happens in the small town that they live in, the monsters are there searching an old house on Shadowbrook Road <laughs> for an amulet that used to belong to Van Helsing. Yeah. And they rescue, I guess Dracula rescues Frankenstein's monster from yeah. a plane and... It's crazy, man. It's like, I don't know. And we've come through a portal at the beginning. <laughs> right, okay, right, Boy, this right. sounds really crazy. <laughs> when you try to explain it as an adult rationally, like, it's like, like I tried to explain I like- it to my kids and they were just like, we trust you. We'll just watch it, okay? We'll wait till you go to bed, though. <laughs> yeah. We'll put on Saul. You know? <laughs> but it's kind of neat because I like that. And I did like the portal I did. That, mm-hmm. All that was really yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah. But that's how we bring basically Dracula and the situation to present day. Uh, because it's set earlier on, um, and they screw that up, you know. <laughs> Basically, Van Helsing right. really drops the ball, and they get what is it like a thousand years? They get another shot at it or something? Yeah, every hundred, every hundred, hundred years. Yeah. Is it a hundred? Yeah, yeah, every hundred years yeah. okay. at the stroke of midnight. Yeah, tomorrow night. It's always tomorrow night. Have yep. you noticed that yeah, with yeah, these yeah. kids? It's always one day before, <laughs> or this weekend, this Saturday. Yeah, I love that. But there's, you know, Dracula is kind of assembling his cast of monsters. Right, his his. his uh, his click. Yeah, I like that, man. And uh, they're trying to gain some power. Now, there is there is a cool character in the movie that I like that's, that kind of comes to the aid of the kids. Because, of course, none of the parents believe him, you know, mm-hmm. as, as you know, per usual. Um, but the scary German guy. Mm-hmm. The scary German guy. Scary Ger- he, he's like, it's kind of like the Sandlot where they're like, you know, the owner of, of you know, the dog over there, he's mean yeah. and all this. You know. The introverted, uh, <laughs> shut-in neighbor. Yeah, must yeah, be, yeah. Must be evil if you're a kid. Right, yeah. He's got a spooky house, and uh, he kind of helps aid the kids in uh, their you know, device plot of 
boarding the monster. Right. I, I, I mean, we're kind of all over right here. The scary German guy is fun. Yeah. There's that one part in the movie when he's just like, man, mister, you sure do know yes. a lot about monsters. And yeah. he sh- he's like, you know, come to think of it, I do. And he shuts the door. And he's got the the marking on his arm. Yeah, from a concentration from a camp. concentration yeah. camp. And as a kid, I didn't get that never never thought yeah. twice about it. Didn't realize it. You know yeah. what? That wasn't my headspace. First time adult. I watched that as an adult, I was like, "Oh God!" Like, okay, I get it now. Like, yeah. you know, so it's like this is in 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 a fun way. It's his. It's kind of his way of throwing back by helping these kids. He's he's getting rid of their monsters. Yeah. And that's kind yeah. of neat, man. I like that. I didn't catch that until I was an adult either. Yeah. Um, same thing. Like it's 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 put in there subtly enough that adults get it, and kids don't really have to be uh, explained. Like, well, see, when they gassed a bunch of people in no. real life, you know, man. Um, who's your favorite character? Oh, uh, which squad? <laughs> either <laughs> either or, man. Either or. Favorite character in the Monster Squad, the, the movie? Um, I think the most impressive is Tyler. Yes. Um, I, of, the, of the monster side? Yeah, in terms of performance. Uh, yeah. I really, man, I'll, let me just put it this way. The only one that's kind of a weakness for me is Wolf. Right. Hey, really? I, I don't think he's bad, but I don't. he doesn't wow me. The rest of them do, and the way they, right they, uh, they had him look. And that was Carl... Theobot? Uh, I can't remember. I can't well, the remember. There was two actors. Well, I mean, the guy who actually played the Wolfman was Carl Theobot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. And, and Stan then, Winston developed these. I right. Yeah. And that sure. Wolfman well, makeup is amazing. Well, it's, the, not the Wolfman makeup is cool, but the creature makeup, the one yeah, that uh, Woodruff, yeah, the one that Woodruff awesome. wears. Yes. Gilman, that's the awesome. The mummy looks cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They all look pretty good, actually. They all look really great. Right. And then uh, there's a scene where uh, Dracula gets shot out of the air. Yeah. And he flies through that window, and you go up, and you mm-hmm. got this half bat man laying up. Oh, dude! It, like there was so much thought, like craft went into this movie. Yeah. This wasn't like, all right, we're gonna throw a bunch of kids versus a bunch of monsters. Like put this guy in a suit. I mean, there was this was developed, and I think that's the thing is like they took this like you're talking about, like you said, ET, like the Amblin era. They took this serious. This was two years after Goonies, man. They were like kids' movies sell. This is. You know, they're yeah. they're a smart audience, and they're the audience we want to go after. And what's that? So that would make it, like, what? It's like four, three years after E.T. then. I mean. Yep. Uh, and something important I want to mention here, and it's a common theme through the other films we're going to talk about, and really cinema, um, is the outcast. And that's what kind of, right. you know, forges these friendships. Um, you know, we open the movie with the two kids who are kind of getting in trouble. They have right. their interests. Their heads are in the clouds, um, you know, and, and they just, they love their monster movies, and, you know, they really bond strongly over that. We have Horace getting picked on, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. basically stands up for himself a little bit and, and gets embarrassed in front of a majority of the school who was by then gathered around. Sure. Enter in the Rudy kid, we have the cool kid who doesn't strive to be the cool kid and be friends with the cool kid, but something I like in this film is that they want the cool kid to be their friend, but if you notice, they're not interested in sacrificing who they are and w- what they're into. Right. It's you're part of our monster squad. And he's like, what? What is that? And he's like, <laughs> yeah. you're, you're in it. <laughs> you're in it. He's, like, he's in like, just to peep through the, through the clubhouse window at the girl across the street. See, right. I, I'm going to blame, I'm going to put this out there right now. I think Rudy's the reason that I smoke. I'm serious. Like I would have never started smoking if Rudy wasn't this kid on a banana seat bicycle yeah. in a leather jacket smoking cigarettes and then drinking beers later. Yeah. And it never occurred to me that this kid's like, 
14, you know? Yeah, yeah. They Swipe really and matches off his loafers. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. the hell are you, guy? That are rolled up, like, yeah. to show sock like Michael Jackson. <laughs> yeah. They really tried to make him, like, the rebel without a cause, but, like, on a schwinn. It, dude, he was... Yeah, I mean... It was awesome. The Rudy character is awesome, but like I said, I blame him for I blame him for uh, my my horrible lungs. Now I would have never started smoking. Man. Um, but but <laughs> something great about uh, the forging of these friendships in these films, I think, uh, from a storytelling standpoint, is you instantly care about them more. Yes, because you know there's a certain you know level of empathy going on for the viewer. And, you know, we've all been kids. We've all had moments of insecurity or being picked on to varying levels. It sucks, and part of childhood sucks, and part of it is a lot of fun. Yeah, and so it's kind of you know the ride for the viewer to you know to see them be outcasts early on, um, and and build up to the adventure that they're going to go on. But I, I like that we take the time to care about the characters, and I mean, there's varying reasons for why they're outcasts in the other two films that we'll talk about. But it is a common theme that I think um, is really oh, important for mentioning why these films work which I think that's a large part of it, is you care about the kids. If we just jumped in and there were you know three, four kids and some monsters, it would be fun, but you wouldn't have the warmth that right. you do, which I think is uh, great and why we're talking about these three and not others. Right. Uh, who did you want to be? Who's or your favorite character? Your as, favorite character. as the monsters? Or anyone from the movie. Um, boy, it's tough. That's tough. Um. Take a moment. I'll say this. Tom yeah, Noonan, yeah. I, I mentioned him because of his physical acting. Yes. I think uh, we'll never get the credit it deserves for this because yeah. it's kind of, uh, you know, not a, a fluff movie, but it's a popcorn movie. It's right. meant to be fun. Yeah. Um, there's some serious physical acting going on with him. Oh, definitely. For the, the emotions that he is causing the viewer uh, to stir up. Is impressive, and I mean, you know, I'm not going to wax his car too much because some of that, in all fairness, comes from Karloff and the character that sure, he developed. Sure. Right. Um, but he still did it, and he did it well. Um, and I always forget that. And when I'm watching it, every time I go, "Damn, I forgot how good he is in this." Oh yeah. And you, I mean, he's excellent. And you forget that he's a. I mean, you were. He, he's never portrayed, and he doesn't carry himself as one of the monsters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At, at all, but then in the scene at the end, you know. When she's reaching out and grabs him by the finger, yeah, Phoebe. Like seriously, like that at that moment, you don't want Frankenstein's monster to go. You do not want him to leave. You're like, oh my god, if can he just stay? Mm -hmm. He can't. But it's like, like you said, it's like he he portrays that emotion so well. It's like I'll miss you, boy. You know, it's like. Oh my God! He's like, see, you, bitch, bye, Felicia. <laughs> well, that's an, that's never, a, never. an interesting dynamic of that, though, that we don't really get in other films. Is that we basically realize he's more part of their monster squad, right? Yes, and you, the, you've never been able to do that in these other films. In the old Universal films, they had the parade, the monster parades, as they like to call them, where they would just roll out all of them in the kitchen sink style. Uh, <laughs> but there was never any kind of group dynamic going yeah. on. It was just we had them in the same film, and so in this instance. I love that. I love that, you know, by our, our, you know, necessary and, you know, it has to happen, uh, 80s montage that we have with them getting yes. ready. Yeah. It involves him helping them yeah. already. I mean, yeah. say, he, he is a, a, you had a, <laughs> a, a much uh, richer character that I think he'll, you know, ever get the credit for that he deserves uh, going on in that performance. But you've had time. What's um, your favorite? You know, the more I think about it, 
I don't know if I have a favorite character because I just like the interplay between all the kids. Well, I'd say you're Horus awesome. by default then. Probably. Yeah. yeah. Just by the unique experience you've had. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I <laughs> you don't have to. Well, I did. I did write in the letter that I tended to gravitate towards that character as a kid. Right. Just because you know the chubby little kid kind of getting picked on and stuff. I never really got picked on, but I, you know, I wasn't like the svelte kid either. You right. Know? Right. So, uh, maybe there was probably more more in that vein, but I wanted to be Rudy. I mine's Horace because I was the same way. I was yeah. the, I was the junkie kid, and to see this kid, he gets the two uh, to me two of the most badass moments in the movie. Oh yeah, he does. Wolfman's got Nards. He's got the quote of the film. and my name is Horace. If you say Monster no, the, the quote the quote of the film is "Don't be chicken shit." <laughs> That's the quote. Oh, of the film. No, no, I'm teasing. No, it's it's that. It's Wolfman's got Nards. If you say Monster Squad, that's the first thing people say. Yeah. Hell, I had a sticker on my car for a couple years that said "Got Nards." Right, I remember that. <laughs> it, was, it was that little round sticker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's the quote, man. Right um, any general uh, dislikes or things that you would prefer to make the movie better? Doesn't mean you don't like the movie. Just this is something uh, that, something that kills me about this. Like you talked about the montage. There are just weapons and weapon-making materials hanging out all over the school. Oh, yeah. Rudy's, Rudy makes stakes, arrows, steals a bow and arrow, and makes silver bullets in school. And people were just like, good job, bud. You know, like, I just laughed at that. But, no, I think uh, I think everything's cool. I just, I didn't get a lot of the, uh, like, um, there was something I never noticed as a kid that I noticed later on, like, uh... Sean, when Sean reads the message that's left for him on the yes, board, I was getting ready to bring it's that like, up. yeah, Mister Mister Aguilar or whatever, Doctor Alucard, Al, Doctor Mister Al- Alucard, or something. right? His mom just bought him a book that day, and this guy's already called asking to buy it, or there may be money in yeah. it for him. I, I, I always thought that was weird. I didn't know where it really fit, except for him to figure out that Al- Alucard is Dracula. Yes. Yeah. So I never really got that. And why is the amulet? In the old house on Shadowbrook Road. How did... You know, it's just like... We, we leave Transylvania or wherever we're supposedly at. And now everything takes place in this one small town. It's like, yeah. we're all here. We're just hanging. Now, so, as, as a kid, never bothered me. Yeah. Still doesn't really bother me. But as an adult, I'm just like, why here? Is there something here? You know, like, yeah. I like that story aspect. Like, why here? So... If you look on that... Uh, the, the message he gets on the board... My dad caught this when we watched it in the late 90s. Uh, if You know, it says... Mr. Alucard called about the, you know, not the Van Helsing diary. It says the Van Halen diary. Yep. <laughs> it's like such a great little nod, like, your right. mom has no idea what she's talking about. Right, Van right, Halen right. diary? I don't know. I guess. Um, a dislike for me, I right. want more mummy. I think oh, the mummy okay. was cool. shafted, man. Yeah. The the exit is cool. Mummy came but, to my house. But yeah. I would have liked yeah. more mummy. I, I'm, every time I watch the movie, when he first comes uh, kind of walking funny, I'm like, ugh. And then I'm like, never mind. He look no. This is cool. He looks cool. Right. And, and right. so I'm. All, I always regret that he goes quick. But uh, one thing I do like about the film that this, uh, you know, helps service is that it's slick. It's a fast film. It's not long. There's not any no, fat on it. It's like um, maybe an hour and a half total. Yeah, maybe one twenty seven. Yeah. And so every single time when we get to the uh, final showdown in the street, which we do need to get to here shortly, right? Um, I always think. 
man, that was fast. We are already <laughs> here. Because, I mean, part of it's because it's fun, and part of it's because it's just short. Right. Yeah. Um, it's, a, it's a slick movie. It gets uh, to the point. Uh, a couple of things I do want to mention before we kind of finish up um, and dig into the end of what's going on here in the film is I did love the little sister. I thought she yes. was just adorable. Um, and, you know, that's a, that is a, a dangerous line you teeter with with making kids cute in movies. And it, you know, very frequently doesn't work, and they're just kind of annoying. Yeah. She's cute, and yeah. she's funny. Oh, uh, definitely. When, she's, when she sees the guy through the window and is screaming and going across the street about seeing him, I actually yeah. laughed out loud. And I like that the dog uh, is part of the oh, yeah. club. Oh, yeah. Pete, so, Pete or something. Petey. Petey. Yeah, Petey. So I had to mention that, especially as we're all animal lovers. So Wasn't Petey uh, the name of the dog from The Little Rascal? I think so. <laughs> sorry, did I get some of my brains on the microphone there? Because you just blew them. I'm just my mind, man. Okay, so everything comes to a head. Uh, they 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 have one final showdown. They've got to throw. They have a virgin read the amulet or read the read the words from yes. the die from, from Van from Helsing's the diary, diary the and then use the amulet to open a portal. And the problem with reading that is... It's in German. Oh. And who's the only person we know that can... Scary German man! There we go. Right on. So he is out in the street helping her regurgitate. Science. Yeah. Right. And right. Uh, so we have, uh, you know, the, everything kind of coming together here in the street. <laughs> wait, I feel wait, like we need to address something. We're, we're glossing over something there. So the girl they get to read it that's, uh, you know, supposed to be a virgin okay. to read it. <laughs> <laughs> she starts reading. It's like, it's not working. The portal's not opening. And they're like, you sure you're a virgin? And she goes, well, there was this Steve, one Steve, but he doesn't count. <laughs> doesn't count! <laughs> My favorite is how they go to church. He's like, church, let's go to church. And then they get there and they can't get in. He was like, real religious, Sean. Let's just go do this at Burger King. <laughs> <laughs> So that's why they end up having to have the little sister read the... the Very good. The right, end. Right. Yeah, yeah. So we find ourselves uh, all together on the street as everything's coming to a head. Yes. Both right. uh, groups trying to achieve the, the end result. Square. And we uh, open up the portal yes. successfully. And what happens then? Um, oh, whoa. Van Helsing comes out. Yeah. The, uh, a whirlwind the monster, vacuum. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, vacuum takes the... Starts sucking the monsters into limbo. Yeah. And then Van Helsing comes out to grab Dracula and pull his nemesis, yeah. or as he's presented, into the portal himself. And Frankenstein. Uh, is ever so gingerly away, oh. yep. just out of reach of Phoebe. And helps them. Yes. Yeah. Right. He gra- oh, yeah, he grabs him, because uh, he, he picks up, uh, he grabs, what's his name? Grabs Sean. Yeah. And pulls Sean, and Sean's on top of him, and he stakes Sean, Sean stakes him, and you get this big dramatic fight sequence, yeah. man. Like, yeah. these kids... These kids are not scared at all. That's the thing that got me about this movie, man. These kids were not... They were just out there. Like, shotguns. Rudy kills everybody. Rudy kills the mummy. He kills two of yeah. the vampire brides. Uh, he kills the werewolf. I'm in mean, the goddamn club, aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> it's an amazing line. Dude, I'm telling you, this this film is filled with one-liners, but they're it's all so great. It's fun. It's yeah. just fun. Yeah. And it has right. it has a lot of rewatchability for me. Yeah, Most me definitely. too. Definitely. I think even if you know, even if I took it out of context and said like I, I don't have the nostalgia because I watched it as a kid, I would probably still watch it over and over. You know, had I seen it just like last year or something. 
Yeah, definitely. Like just because it's slick enough. There's no stuffy parts. I mean, it's an easy watch. It's fun. Right um, all right, any final thoughts other uh, than uh, watch it if you haven't? Oh, definitely, definitely, definitely. We didn't tell you any. I mean, we told you a lot, but we didn't really. The heart of the there's movie is what more. makes that movie. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a whole thing about the parents going through it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You had, there's a whole bunch of more stuff. And there's layers to this movie. Oh my God, and like yeah. you said, it's so slick and it's so to the point that you take in all this information and you don't really realize it. At the end, you're like, man, a lot went on. I love this film so much, I want to take it behind the middle school and get it pregnant. <laughs> all right, Tracy. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so what are we moving on to, Bob? Uh, same year, The Gate. Yes. Uh-huh. So, uh, can you give us some basic information on The Gate, Mad Chain? Yeah, The Gate, same year, 1987, directed by, uh, is it Tibur Takix? I can't ever, I can't pronounce his name. I think it's Tibur, Tibur Takix, and written by Michael Nankin. Um, starring a young Stephen Dorff, uh, Christina Denton, Kelly Rowan, and Louis Tripp. Very good, very good. Uh, so we addressed, uh, you had seen The Gate. You watched that with Hot Todd, you didn't you, Mad Chan? Yeah, well, the I, past? I, I'd seen it with Todd uh, as recently as the past couple years. I'd seen it again for this show, but I'd seen the movie when I was little. Okay, so you're the only uh, one of, uh, an, an, an OG of viewership <laughs> on this um, I'm going to be honest with you, and uh, it's even in my notes, so um, the things I remember from a kid, like remembering the gate, I always remember the eye and the hand, and I always remember the rocket. Those are the two things, like that's how I knew what the gate was, and that's how I described it to Hot Toddy when we watched it a couple, last year or the year before. I was like, oh, I've seen that. And he's like, are you sure? And I was like, yeah, it's, it's, it's the eye in his hand. And Todd's like, he's like, that's such a small part of the movie, man. So <laughs> I, I didn't even hardly know anything about the film, but I kind of knew those. Right, those, right, right. Those visual cues, or at least the hand visual cues. Right, right. Okay, so um, we'll do some some general thoughts on the film. I'm going to start. I'm guessing we'll be pretty brief on this one. There's yeah, nothing yeah. against the movie. It's just not rich in conversation. Yeah, you no, know what I mean? It's a subject not. matter. Um I enjoyed it. I had a blast with it. I, I I always enjoy when films that deal with any type of youth. We discussed this uh, when we covered Brain Scan. Yes. Um, the isolated feel. It's almost like a stage play because I mean that's what this kid knows is home. Yeah. Um, and Centralized we don't location. Really go anywhere else. Um, we deal with that there. Um, and that's right off the bat. I think is a, a, a strong aspect for it that. Is very subtle. They're not beating you over the head with it. It's just part of the storytelling. Right. Um, it does weird me out to see him that young, uh, Stephen Dorff, that is. Right, right. Um, just as somebody that I know is an adult actor, it weirds me out to see him <laughs> with a little head and body. It's just, it's just odd. He's an odd-looking child. Tall man shrank him. Um, but at the same time, he, uh, I thought, was excellent in it. Yes. Um, so we'll, we can get into some things that we like specifically about it, but just initial thoughts on the film. I don't think the parents are ever going to let him home alone again. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, that's the, kind of the whole premise is that they're uh, uh, the the older daughter is begging to be the babysitter of the weekend so she can, you know, uh, ideally throw a party. Uh, of course, she claims she won't. And then just kind of hell breaks loose once the parents leave. Yeah. Uh, no so, party is the international invitation to throw a party in yeah. movies. I just want to no parties, dear. First thing you do, kegger. So what? So what do you think about the movie, though? Um, overall, it was it was it was all right. It, it, it it's not something I would probably rewatch myself. Okay. Um, but I'll tell you one of the things that I was really wowed by, and it was particularly for a movie from the mid late '80s, was the animation of the um, the. 
The demon? Orcs, I don't know what you would call them. <laughs> oh, the, 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 the yeah. little ones. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got to have one great. of those. Dude, I have to have one of those. I need one of those in my glass case with yeah. my Chucky and my other dolls. Those I need one. so good. Yeah. I mean, particularly for what technological advancements were around then. Right. I, I presume it must have been stop motion, claymation yeah. or something. Yeah. But boy, it was done well. Mm-hmm. Really, it looks really good. well. It does. But that's the biggest thing it had going for it was um, I thought the visuals looked really, really good. Yeah, uh, for me, the movie will never make any of my top lists, but uh, I, I'd sit down and watch it again with the kids, or in a few years, I'd revisit it, you know, just just to throw it in, have sure. something in the background, see what's going on. Um, it doesn't have the, like, we talked about monsters, it, there's no real layers to this movie. Right. Like, and I guess that's just my, you know, like, what you see is what you get, it's all right here, well, no pun, it's all right there on the surface. Even though it comes from below, like it, right. you know, it's it's the simple. There's a portal to to hell, supposedly opened in, up in the backyard. In the backyard, <laughs> <laughs> in the kids' backyard, and they follow the instructions <laughs> as written by a prophetic um, band, <laughs> by album a prophetic cover. album cover. Like in the liner notes, they tell you how to summon this this demon yeah. that will rule all. It's worlds. like a Motley Crue album. Or no. something, you know? <laughs> Shout at the devil. Right, right, right. <laughs> So uh, they end up finding a geo, and they they take the geo up or geode, I think is geode, whatever. They take it up to the room, and uh, Dorf cracks it open with the hammer. The trioxin comes out, and boom! (laughs) Next, this kid needs to watch more horror movies, really, dude. Like you, he recites he recites the strange incantation that mysteriously appears, and the other kid kills his dog. Like, what the hell is this movie? Yeah. Because it's a because there's a great there's a couple great parts. But at the end, movie. the dog's like still around. Yeah, yeah, even though he's 97. You know, <laughs> um, I like this movie. Yeah, I agree with you guys. It's not going to be towards the top of any list that I come up with. Right. Um, it is one I'll watch again at some point. I'm sure it, this I feel lends itself better to the theme of kind of what we're talking about tonight. Like. I do that all the time where I'll pick a theme and just kind of run through four or five movies over the span of a week or two, just kind of here and there. So I could see myself like, you know, watching the Monster Squad, the Goonies and this, something like that. Uh, Standalone, it's it's not as strong as as the movies we've been discussing, uh, but it is still worth watching. Uh, The you know, you mentioned the uh, special effects going on, especially with the the stop motion animation. That's great. Uh, The child acting is good. Oh, really? Uh, Everybody in this film carries their yeah. weight really well. Stephen Dorff and I, the friend's name is escaping me, but yeah. he was he was <laughs> Terry as the metal nerd. Like yeah, he was yeah, just yeah. a good time. Which, by the way, love that sequence when he's rocking out in his room. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Puts that blanket over his head. Just, yeah, it's great. Um, <laughs> that, you did that. I know you did. I probably still do. There's so some <laughs> somewhere. There's a pentagram flag that you have <laughs> draped. Over, you drape over your head. Summon the devil now. Now shout. We're uh, shout. we're gonna go into obviously the progressions of the film but I want to say first and foremost this is what I think hurts the movie there's not enough lore early on right that's the biggest problem if we have these kids kind of hold the weight of what they're scared of or interested in um, that piques their interest to do these things that cause the events to unfold right then that gives more gravity to what we're watching just in general as a viewer and as a viewer of these kids and what they're going through because you know that they've been interested. They know, you know, their weight in the subject matter, but we don't really address much of that. It's very brief. Right. Um, and I feel like 
we go kind of dark um, with some of this stuff, like with with the dog. Um, oh yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. That's it's kind not, of a big bummer yeah. for me. And it, right. oh, me too. And, and it's not needed when right. when the movie is aimed at you know childhood innocence and 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 basically trying to create a fun adventurous film. You don't need that. It's a cheap shot to yeah. to basically. You know, an emotion. Yeah, to you know, then wonder are they going to bring him back somehow? This is a bummer. Right, it's not needed. I would have rather spent five minutes building up at the very beginning with the childhood fascination right. of demonology or take your pick, monster movies. It right. doesn't matter. The closest we get to that is this kid rocking out in his room to metal. <laughs> right. Still, that's very brief, and I feel like they really missed a big opportunity there sure. with when this movie was made in 1987 with ranging from everything with what was going on in popular music, the, the occult and, that, and the yeah. fear of it that was perpetuated throughout oh, yeah. the country. There's all these things that they could have played on a little bit, and I wish that we would have skipped the you know upsetting, unnecessary dog Right. Sequence and that's and I'm not meaning to harp on that. It wasn't oh, no, that no, big no, of a deal, right, right. but that's like I just picked something that I wanted more from the movie right. with, by substituting you know something, something that they could have omitted. Sure, it and it's needed. the thing that you're talking about is it's they try to give us that. It's almost like they backpedal because that kid Terry is constantly walking around while the movie's happening. Trying to give us this lore that you wanted in the yeah. beginning, and by that point it's too late because we're already in it. Yeah, it's, at that point you're kind of making. It feels like you're kind of making not that they were, but you're making right. it up as you go. I know there was a script, but it's just like, oh no, you have to do this, and then we can do this, and he's just reading this this inlay, you know, like oh, and then we can do yeah. this, and this is like you're already there, dude. Yeah. All this stuff's already. Happened. I mean, like I just I gotta say this about the dog thing. I, I'm sensitive <laughs> about animals, right? Did, was it not just a little much? I mean, we have the yeah. one the the one older kid carrying the carcass around. Yeah, and then like, yeah, it's just I, it was that just, cap, and I was like, really? Why you got waving in front of my face? Like, yeah, because here's the thing: you got to remember is we're appealing to young people when this is made. Right? Who in the hell do they think is yeah. going to be young and think that's funny or cool? And that's the thing: it's, that is dark and weird. And then we've got Dorf sitting there crying into a photo album, looking at these nice pictures of the dog. I'm just like. What the hell is wrong with you, director? <laughs> like, this is so not necessary. And then he takes it one step further, and the dog falls out of the car when the guy opens the yeah. door. And I'm, I'm with you. It's, yeah, it's like, just, what the hell were you doing? Yeah. That immediately changed the, the vibe of the right, film. Right, right. That film is the reason the meme was made, where it's like, I don't care who dies in films as long as the dog's okay. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm they sure we've all seen that. You know? Oh, yeah, man. Um, oh, this dude. movie is primed for that. Now, um... So we, we go through the film with, with Stephen Dorff's uh, grief, kind of alienation, his, his interest that we don't really explore too much, but I feel like a lot of that is redeemed uh, with the touching solution. Do we want to build up to that, or do we want to dive right into how we take care of what we've opened up? Oh, no, I think you should. Yeah, we we'll just go ahead and talk about it, because I think we're... Because you got to the point where he has released it in the room. Yeah, um, yeah. By cracking that open, we've, we've got the summons and the metal record. Um, and and now we've got a problem on our hands. We've got we got some uh, some big ass demons and some little <laughs> ass demons running around the house. Did they did they give the name of the artist for the album? I can't remember. Oh yeah, it's uh. I I, I'm sure it was given. I just can't remember. What oh it man, man, man! I wrote it down here. Hold on, I'm not doing this in order. So it was it was a fictitious band. Uh, Profilic, Profilic, 
It was like it, I thought it was prophecy, but it's prophylactic. Prophy- I don't know. Prophylactic? No, 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 no. <laughs> no, hold on, hold on. You know, Murtaugh's daughter sells those things. <laughs> okay, well, I'll just mention this. So while you're looking that up, you're good. The, we have the group of teenagers, which might add Kelly Rowan. It's funny to see her as a teen with the punk hair. She would later be in the Candyman uh, sequel, the right. second one, right. uh, the OC, a number of other things as an adult. Um, but we have the situation with the dog that's upsetting, and the the parents are gone, and sister heads on out to go to the mall with them. Yeah. Yes. Just leave, just leave. Just leaves the little brother at home, and uh, you, you look at him looking up through the window as he's watching his uh, pet's carcass being flung into a car. As they're all going to go have a good time and leaving at home to be sad by himself. Uh, luckily, the <laughs> sister comes to her senses and decides she wants to be a human being and uh, <laughs> care about her brother. Right, she comes right. back and uses the money that she had on a gift. Yes, a gift for little brother, uh, a rocket. Uh, to play with a toy for him, uh, which comes in handy. Yes, that we find out, and um, I, I like the you know as we put that together at the end, kind of what that symbolizes, because uh, then you go to grander scales if you want to of good and evil and love and um, you know the solution being in that. Uh, so, what is the solution? Uh, the solution is the only way to kill the monster is pure love. And we find out that the rocket, like you just said, is the one thing that he does with his sister. At one point, we see him go into his bedroom and reach under his bed and open a rocket that, or open a package, a uh, what is it, a wrapped package for his sister that was also a rocket. It's mm-hmm. something that they do together, and um, so inevitably they. At the end, we shoot a giant love rocket <laughs> into the devil. A love it's rocket. Close. I don't know. Sounds so erotic. When no, you but say. I mean that's what it is. It's a. It's, yeah. it's the. It's his love for his sister, and that's what they do together, and that's ultimately what conquers evil. Love yeah. conquers evil. With, with a, Message. With a love rocket. And uh, what what ha- What do we get? What do we get band. back? So the sister comes back. Yep. Terry, the best friend, comes back. Those were the two human sacrifices. And then the dog comes back. That's the only one I cared about. But we don't get the weird (laughs) science-esque, everything writes itself ending. The house is still messed up. Yeah. Everything's You know they're in deep shit when the parents show up. (laughs) Good luck in getting them to believe that. Right. So there was a demon... See what had happened with us. What had happened was. <laughs> Do we have any any final thoughts on this one? Um, I like how in horror movies, people, children in particular, always turn to the Bible for help. Yeah. Um, my oh, one yeah, piece yeah. of advice is, no you know, Foxholes. maybe yeah. if you had read that Bible to begin with, your little heathen ass wouldn't be in trouble in the first place. I just want to put that out there because <laughs> I always look because there's that scene where he's sitting there reading the Bible and then. Stops reading the Bible and falls down the hole. You kept reading, old man. I just I chuckled, I chuckled at that, man. Like seriously, but no, there's. I mean, this movie's just. There's no real build up. There's no set. Uh, there's no build up. There's no setup. It's just kind of right there, man. It's. Yeah. It, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a decent fun. watch, but it's not. Like I said, it's not going to top any of my lists. Okay. Any yeah. final thoughts from you, Rybo? Uh, pretty much same. Echoing the same thing. Like okay. it's cute. It's fun. It's. Uh, it's a good little popcorn film kind of thing, but um, yeah, it doesn't have a lot of rewatchability for me though. Okay, and I would uh, I would recommend this uh, to anybody who's wanting to cover all bases with eighties horror. Yeah, um, and anybody you know who's just kind of in the mood for a little bit of uh, you know something to build upon with the Monster Squad, kind of like we did sure. in this episode. Sure. Uh, 
Would you guys recommend this to uh, people? Uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, it's definitely worth the. It's definitely something that you can throw in and just watch, and you get, you'll get your time out of it if you rent it. You'll get your two bucks out of it. Yeah. I mean, it's it's that fun, yeah, but it's yeah. not. It's definitely. It's, you're probably not buying the Blu-ray. Yeah, you're, yeah, the Blu-ray's you know not. I don't, I don't think Scream's going to put this out anytime no, that, soon. That's, that's that's probably the way we should be. Like, or watch they probably already have. DVD, <laughs> and you found a Blu-ray. Would you buy the Blu-ray and replace the DVD, or would you just be like, nah, you don't I'm good. This one it. will stay on DVD. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I'm with you. Okay. Um. Well. With that said, I will say, uh, too little too late on bringing the dog back. Yes. And moving on, uh, <laughs> our final film we'll be covering tonight, Stephen King's It. Normally, I would say this would be Stephen King's opus, but he's written numerous books that are even bigger <laughs> yes. and cover more. Uh, so Stephen King's It, Mad Chan, a little input. Uh, 1990, directed by Tommy Lee Wallace, written by Tommy Lee Wallace, and the great Lawrence Cohen. Um... Little side, a little piece of trivia I found out from a couple different sources. Uh, George Romero was initially in talks to direct this, except yeah. he had to go produce the Night of the Living Dead remake, which is so, phenomenal. So Tommy Lee Wallace got the nod on yep. this. It's kind of neat, man. Um, all star cast, um, all star from my youth, <laughs> so an all star from a lot of different things. Uh, Harry Anderson, uh, Dennis Christopher, Richard Mauser, Annette O'Toole, Tim Reed, John Ritter, Richard Thomas, Jonathan Brandis, Emily Perkins, and Seth Green, just to name a few. Olivia Hussey. Oh, Olivia Hussey, you see? see, And the great Tim Curry. Tim Curry is phenomenal in this movie, son. I don't know who's in it. Okay, so uh, TV movie, two-parter. Did you guys watch this back then? Yes. Was it over two nights or was it like five nights? It was a Sunday night and a Tuesday night. I I remember it being like a really long thing, though, for some reason. Uh, Yeah, it was a a a two-part, two nights back then. That was still when TV movies were holding on. They were relevant. Uh, People tuned in to watch those. and. Um, with Stephen King just owning the '80s, he was you know, oh. still a big deal. So I remember it being a big deal, um, and I was—I particularly remember being excited about it because uh, what I was allowed to watch Stephen King-wise was limited at that age. Sure, um, and I was obsessed. I would sit—I've mentioned this on the show before. I would sit down Indian style as a second shelf up uh, of books that my dad had. And uh, I would stare at the artwork on him. So I love Stephen King from a young age, even when I couldn't read or watch most of the movies. Yeah. Um, so this was a big deal, and I was very excited when it came out. Um, I was excited when this came out on DVD. Yes. I damn sure was excited when it came out on the Blu-ray. Just to mention real quick on the Blu-ray, it pissed me off that they omitted the two-part aspect to it. It's just gone. It just is one movie. Uh, we cut and then it's you know, pick up the no, really the, it just no goes. no credits on either end of it. It's right just on. one feature. Uh, I'm just a pure I'm a purist. I would like to have it the way it was shown, but right. it's fine. I still kept the DVD because I'm psychotic. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it still holds up well. Uh, this one, you know, we'll go into more, but just my initial thoughts on it. Um, movie and I have not read the book, but I do know that the book stays. Uh, basically, you know, at least close to the ending. That's my only problem with it. But the journey of this film is so great to me that I don't care about the ending. It doesn't matter to me. Like, it it could have been anything. It could have been better. But it could have been anything. And it it still doesn't matter to me because it's all about reflection and and the journey that we go through and and the fears that come through early on and looking back. So initial thoughts from you guys on this. Uh, I love it. I, I did see it back then. I've seen it several times since. 
Um, <laughs> we watched it. Um, at one time, we watched it. We went to a carnival and came home. And uh, we watched it, went to a carnival, came home, watched the second part, went out. We were sleeping in a camper that we had set up out back in the backyard to air out, you know. So we got to, me and, me and a friend and my brother got to stay out there that night. And we looked out, and we're talking about the clown, and we looked out, and there was a balloon by the window. And I'm sure it was a clever ruse by my dad, who never admitted it, but scared the daylights out of me. This is one of my favorite scary things, because like I said, Tim Curry is legit scary for me. Um, You get to see in this movie what it's like being a kid. And nobody believes you. Nobody wants to hear you. Nobody wants yeah. to listen to you. Nobody, it's like nobody cares about your problems. The only people that care are your friends, the people that you can turn to. And I think as children and even into adulthood, we've all felt like that. And this just kind of hones in on that and keeps you there. There's a lot of things, too, in the film that the, the kids see that the adults don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that only they can see yeah, yeah, their yeah. own eyes or whatever. Um, I, love, I love this film. I, right. I like that. I like that there's clearly two parts to it mm-hmm. we, you know one whole section where they're kids and one whole section where they're adults right now i will say that i think the adult uh side the, the adult half of the film doesn't hold up as well i like how you said yeah. side that's the dvd you talking well, <laughs> He's not, like, not, not, like, side. i'm just saying like the, like that that half of the <laughs> yeah, story right you know um well even on vhs it was two takes yeah you know? yeah yeah but so you know the the first half i think holds up so much better I, I love it. You know the what the director, the director will agree with you on that. Tommy yeah. Lee Wallace has said that himself. Yeah, the, the first half where they're in the late fifties, I guess, at like the yeah. early sixties, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it looks so good and so great. And the, the second half, it's still good. Don't get me as far as the story, but visually, it looks very dated if you watch it now. Like, well, it's very nineties, you know, yeah, eighty nine, ninety, very indicative of that. But oh gosh, is it? it I don't know anybody that doesn't like it. Yeah. You know, everybody's kind of, you know, into that movie to some degree and for different reasons. My kids had a Halloween party this year and afterwards had friends spend the night and that's the movie they wanted to watch. Oh, nice. And here's the thing that got me as I came in and they were watching side two. (laughs) And I was like, man, no, 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 you started wrong. You started wrong. And they were like, no, we had to watch this side. The clown was too scary. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, so they stopped and flipped. Like it. Yeah, it seemed very uh, so good as the oh, clown that in the second half I think it loses a lot of wind when it's the spider thing. Oh yeah, and that's what I right. was, yeah. was alluding to. I mean, I'm to. sure we'll get into that. Yeah, um, yeah go ahead. Well, I was going to say, um, what I find fascinating about this is the presentation um, in the way that uh, we have seven acts that cover each one of them. Mm-hmm. And they're not really all that similar. We have different reasons uh, for unhappiness and why childhood is a little bit harder for this group than most kids. I mean, all kids to some degree have have you know some rough patches and and some sure. things that they go through. That's obviously part of the human condition. Uh, but these ones in particular, you know, it's just a little different for them. Uh, the the loss of a young brother, uh, an abusive right. that's an abusive, dark, man, an abusive dad. Um, a just absolutely ailment-riddled kid. Um, the kid, kid who's had to move and is overweight and doesn't know anybody there and is having trouble fitting in. Um, you know, we go through the list of them. Right. Um, and, and all of the kid performers 
are good. Oh, phenomenal. Man. On a TV movie <laughs> and a seven yeah. act opener, <laughs> it'll it's a TV movie, and that's the problem. And in terms of that's why people aren't praising it the way that they would. The, like if somebody had accomplished that in a film, um, it would be fascinating. Uh, but because that's kind of routine for a TV movie is to break it in seven acts with the commercial breaks, right. it seems like it kind of fits, but it fit perfectly oh, definitely. with the story that we're telling. And I think that's why, you know, to kind of lend to what yeah. you're saying, you're right. Like the first half is just fantastic oh. because we get, I would be fine with just that. Yeah. Well, and because, I really would. Like, yeah. It's so good. Yeah. No, the first half, um, is scary in its own right too. Because it, it, at some point in there, the majority of viewers are going to relate to something. Mm-hmm. Because we cover such a variety yeah. of things that just are the Freaking shits for a kid. Right. Um, like coming out of the drain and, in the shower and mm-hmm. like just crazy and then, stuff. But that, that's played off that fear like yeah. he's talking about. Yeah. And yeah. And the so, kid doesn't want to take a shower at school. His exactly. mother didn't want right. him to take a shower And so at we're school. dealing with something either otherworldly or supernatural. We're not really sure. Mm-hmm. But we're creating this mystique that's very jarring um, by looking back with just immeasurable dread. I mean, these people are just, you know, I mean, you just see it in their face. The acting's, you know, well done really well by all of them with that. Um, you know, just the instant reflection of, oh, God, you know what I mean? Like they had buried something. And you can yeah. apply that to anything in life, too, which is why Stephen King's always been, you know, great at writing, writing horror novels because he does it from a humanistic standpoint that makes people able to relate to their characters then naturally care about them. Um, but you don't care about the characters in Clyde Barker's novels the way you do in a Stephen King. I enjoy both, but that's what makes Stephen King great and why he's been so just widely successful. Right. But sorry, detour there. Oh, you're <laughs> good. No, you're good. You're but good. that's what I really like about the first one is the the present day and the yeah. the reflection and that something is back and we don't know what it is as the viewer, but we know that it is making grown adults freak out. Range from. All kinds of reactions, right. and we and uh, one of them being uh, rather unfortunate at the end of, of part one. Um, so, do we want to start moving along? I don't want to hog the time on that. If you guys have more oh, to say on the no, initial I mean, buildup, no. no, no, it's I mean it's kind of great because you get into uh, like you say, it, each person has each one of the seven, each one of the lucky seven, as they're called in the yeah. movie, the Losers Club. Um, they have their own story and they have their own problems. That they're dealing with, and Pennywise, or whatever it is, we'll keep referring to that, whatever it is, plays on their fears and insecurities. Like the, um, like Bev with the blood. Like she talks about how she cleaned up this blood a million times and her dad could never see it. And the other kids saw it, you know, like, yeah. like she had to keep her house tidy and clean, you know, mm-hmm. and she had like, that was her thing. Eddie didn't want to take a shower. He wasn't supposed to be participating in gym anyway because of his health, but he didn't definitely didn't want to take a shower in front of people when the clown comes out of the shower. And it's all those different things. He plays on those insecurities. The kid lost his dad. like, yeah. And then he goes down into the bar- the burrows. And he sees his dad. dad. He's like, hey, buddy. You know, like the creepiest damn imagery of that. Oh, waving from the distance. And I think it's important, too. I'm glad you touched on that, that it's not just what they're scared of. It's what upsets them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's so much more mean spirited and and dark. I mean, it's not just like, oh, they're scared of spiders. I'll make some spiders come out in their kitchen. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about dead little brothers. 
Yeah. Dad's the kills his little brother. Yeah, it's just like Beal, you killed me, Beal. Yeah, <laughs> you know? it's just some really dark stuff that I I think that it's important uh, to mention that it's you know it's not just fears, it's fears slash you know just devastation. Yeah, uh, which is then additionally even more scary on top of that because you have basically somebody poking you for fun with things that agonize you. Yeah, and and seemingly out of your control when that happens. Uh, another strength of this, I think, especially for the storytelling of this particular novel, is the limitations that that TV movie has. I think that made them tell a better movie uh, because you, you can't know, get too too graphic, right? You can't get too too graphic with anything, and so therefore, some of this stuff becomes more your imagination uh, doing some of the storytelling along with it, which I think is a benchmark of of great horror. Uh, there's a time for ex- exploiting things and and leaving nothing. You know, no stone unturned. But then, you know, sometimes it just, you know, it's it's scarier when your mind's turning. Yeah. And I thought that that's, you know, what, you know, naturally happened with a TV movie that they had to. Um, so I forget sometimes that this is a TV movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because it's easy if to you, do. if you sit down and just watch it, you wouldn't think, like... Oh, this was on like ABC or something. Like, well, this yeah. doesn't it's rely so on well. this doesn't rely on the hostile type or the yeah. the saw type blood. It, it doesn't need it. Right. It, it it's, it's psychological. Terrifying. Yeah, yeah. It's all psychological. It's terrifying enough that way. Yeah. yeah, but I like that Wallace didn't completely steer away from it. Right. He still had some blood come out of the pages of the book. Yeah, uh, the the special effects at the adult dinner. When they all meet up and the things that are terrifying and then there with moving around and the food. Yeah. So we didn't try and completely avoid special effects or traditional, you know, aspects of horror films that people love. Because, I mean, he certainly was a, a seasoned director. Oh, he definitely. Did Halloween 3 and I think Fright Night 2 among others. So, I mean, he had already, you know, kind of cut his teeth and earned his uh, reputation. Um so what are some more things we like about this as, as we're approaching into the midway point? We finished part one with Richard Mazur taking his life. Yes. The dad from License to Drive yeah. killed it, himself. It's just the uh, proverbial asshole of many movies as well. <laughs> yeah. um, and uh, something I do want to mention too on that, I love that when he gets the call, he starts playing with his ear. Yeah, yeah it, goes, like it goes back to like what he did as a kid. He, he right. reverts. Richard Thomas. Is that his name? Richard Thomas from the Waltons? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. He starts stuttering. You know, I mean, we have some yeah. of the things that from that time that have been buried immediately Didn't come they out. Say, though, Bev, that they Bev forgot about yep. that they forgot about. See, it? that's what I was getting ready to say. Yeah. The thing that I love, and I don't, it's it's talked about in the movie. I'm currently in the middle of reading the book, and it sure it's going to be explained more in there. But uh, is once they all left Derry, Mike Hanlon, the one who brings them all back to town, is He's the only one who stayed in Derry. By the way, I listen to the commentary, and when he first comes on, he goes, hey, I had to keep the town integrated. I'm the one black guy. <laughs> I thought that was funny. Tim Reed's fun. They got the reason they have census bureaus. <laughs> but Mike Hanlon is the, uh, Mike, it starts up again. It's 30 years later, and like you said, uh, Mike stayed there. Everybody left, and everybody, they point out that everybody becomes un- became unusually successful. I thought that was a great little aspect of the story. Like, they all left, they got away from Derry, and they all ha- now have a future. Like, Bill, or Bill's a huge horror writer, uh, Bev's a fashion designer, um, 
oh, beep beep, Richie. Richie's a uh, Richie's a movie star in yeah. this version. And he's a comedian. He's a comedian yeah. slash, you know, he's in the movies in this well, yeah, version. That, yeah, right, right. And Stan good. owns his own business. Eddie owns a limo service. Like they've all, they're all doing well for themselves. There's this point where Eddie's on his way back to town, where he's like, "Hey, uh, when you pick up Pacino tomorrow, take the stretch. He likes to stretch." You know, like they're all wildly successful. And Bill comes back to town, and he looks. He's like, "This is poor town." And then yeah. he's just like. Some of us still are, and they walk up, and he's he's very. Everybody else has you know got all this money, and he's very poor. And then they go out to dinner, and they're all throwing out wads of cash to pay. And he's like, "It's taken care of." And they're like, "Oh, you don't have to do that." And it's I, I think things like that. It's just the little nuances, you know. It's just the little things that say there's something not right in dairy. And that's the part I think I like the best. There's like a fog they said lifted in their brain or something. Right, right, right. As they as they got back to town, they started remembering. It's like, but they never forgot. Like yeah. the one thing they never forgot was the pact. Yep. And they all keep making mention. Like I don't remember much. Fill in the blank, and that's the cool catalyst that takes us back to the to the you know the uh, flashback sequences. Mm-hmm. So I really enjoyed that aspect of the storytelling, and that runs through all of it. Most definitely. I like. I Sorry. also like. It's, it's hard not to just gush about. In, well, I know, right? In relation, in relation to what you're saying, um, in terms of how uh, where they're coming from in life, I think is an interesting result of of burying things and what drives it and how everyone handles things differently. Uh, for one man, it's better off to stay a comfortable bachelor in the town. He doesn't need much. He right. just likes doing the things he likes. And so that's why it's nothing for him to flip down and buy dinner for this group that he cares about because he's not chasing the things in the big city. He's not drunk and got things falling out of the car. Right, yeah, right, so, right, yeah, right. No, yeah, definitely. Points. Right. And, and the exploration. And that's why I wanted to cover this movie. Um, and I'm glad we are. that it's, It really examines the other end of the fun side of what we talked about with these first two in yeah, a right. just much darker, serious way. <laughs> but it certainly fits in an interesting uh, way to the, to the earlier films. Um with Child's Battling Monsters, um, do we want to just try and run through part two, or do we just want to kind of discuss things we like about it? Um, well, there's there, there's a there's a time frame between, of course, the kid when they're kids and when they're adults. Is it 25 years? 30 years. 30, 30 years. In the okay. movie, yeah. Yeah, I couldn't remember. I think it was like 25, 30 years or something. And um, I think they did a great job, first of all, of casting. The kids and then the ones that, you know, the, the adults who play... Right, the older version. I thought they did a good job with that. Just trying to keep, you know, you know, uh, the Jonathan Brandis character becomes the guy from um, the, Waltons. the Waltons or whatever. Right. You know, like, John Boy. He becomes John yeah, Boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. John Ritter was the fat kid growing up. You know, and that kind of thing. Right. They did, I think they did a really good job with just trying to keep that. Um, you know, the visuals. The kids. You could see him growing up to be that. Right on. The only one I had trouble with was Henry Bowers. As an adult. Yeah. Well, they made him out to be like a super old looking guy. <laughs> right, like, like, right, but I mean, I understand why, and I understand why. It's just that was this. You, you were talking specifically about casting. The yeah. only one I didn't see was Henry Bowers. Um, you talk about, we talked about the kids confronting their fear to the point where they're like, hey, man, we're just going to go head on. We're going to take this thing head on. And they get down in the sewer, and I like that the same scenario plays out in both parts. They go down to the sewer. Yeah. That ain't Georgie. Honey, that's right, not right. daddy. You know, like, you know, yeah. their monsters, their demons are coming to face them. It's like, it's not, not real. It's not real. You know, so 
I really enjoyed when, that. When the man, there's a scene, and I think it's when they're the, in the older part. Obviously, um, the, the little sailboat comes down. Oh, that's great. Yeah, and, and, and you know, and I think they pick it up, and uh, you know, it's it's the sailboat that Georgie was floating yeah. down the, mm-hmm, the yeah. down the street, and you know, got him killed by Pennywise. But you know, they, the cool part was they set it back down, and then it goes the other way. <laughs> and I'm like, and they follow that. Right, right, right. Because like, yeah. if you watch that, it's not like you can really see the sh- the water moving necessarily. Yeah, right, right, so you're right. like, it's a pretty good effect. Really. That's impressive. They probably oh, use fishing wire you can't see or something. Right, but yeah, it looked great. It did though, man. Yeah. The whole thing about that, you know, being down in the sewer was like you, you kind of get that vibe with them. Like Ugh. now, uh, when we confront um, our monster, yes, uh, as kids, it still looks cool the way they do it. Uh, the camera gliding through the piping with mm-hmm. the insanely bright light yes. that is the monster looks rad. It's it looks cool. It leaves much to the imagination. Um, I, you know, with I, I don't know if he has a name or if he's just called Belch. Yeah, the, I think he's just called Belch. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah. Right. when he yeah. gets sucked up with his legs under his chin. Oh, oh that's, it's that's a great brutal. scene. Uh, with our our remaining bully and the hair instantly turned white and aged. Yeah. Um, and what it did to him. Uh, that's just such a great, you know, way of doing all that. It left uh, plenty of mystery to it while still satisfying for the viewer early on, which is all the more reason I don't understand, you know, why we go the way we go at the end. Um, I stressed early on when we started talking about this that it doesn't matter in the long run. The movie yeah. is about the journey in this case. The end result doesn't matter. It's about the ideas that are explored in this and, and how we explore them uh, that make this movie and this story great. Right. Um, do we want to go ahead to the end? I mean... Yeah, it might, Yeah, let's go ahead because we've already kind of already touched on it a few times. Yeah. Um, well, by saying giant spider. <laughs> Because there's a there's a giant fucking spider in the third act, yeah. man. So and it is it's a you get to see the the deadlights. They talk about the deadlights yes. and Stan saw the deadlights and uh, I think that's why you know because Stan was the only one to see the deadlights and then he ends up killing himself. He's like I'm not going back yeah. there. Yeah. And then they go to confront the monster this time and this time it is a monster. They go through a little door, which I always thought was real cute. They go through this real little door surrounded by bones to this huge lair. And inside this lair. Still great. Yeah. Cool. And inside this lair is a giant spider. So we're going to take the silver. (laughs) We're going to take the silver and we're going to shoot the spider. Yeah. And the spider rears back on its haunches and shows this bright white light. This, these, deadlights and it entrances people and we get to see our main characters all of them one by one become entranced with this until Bev ends up saving them. Yeah, and that's the point where I'm just like okay so they from what we understand it's everything you want like heaven's in there it's it's you know it's Something the place that you it's, yeah it's the place that you want to be it's the yeah. great things so it's Disneyland <laughs> but it's still a giant spider, so somebody else go ahead. <laughs> I do not understand why that's a good idea uh, no, for I storytelling. Um, I think the biggest mistake 
And, I mean, you can hold Stephen King accountable for it. You can hold, you know, Tommy Lee Wallace and his producers accountable for it. I don't know on that aspect. So I haven't read the book. I do plan to try to work my way through that monstrosity before the, the remake, which we haven't mentioned, I don't think. No, not yet. Um, uh, comes out. Uh, I would year. like to, yeah, explore, you know, the book before then. So I'll, I'll know sooner than later, I guess. But um, it's lame. It is, I'm sorry, it's lame. It doesn't matter, like I said. I mean, the movie is still great. I love watching it over and over again. Um, I love really everything else about it, from the score. Right, I mean, right. just everything. But why on earth we don't keep Pennywise and the bright lights strictly what we're dealing with is beyond me. It's right. been it effective for else. nearly three hours at this point. Right. And outrolls what appears to be... Uh, atomic horror. I mean, it looks like something from right. Tarantula or them or one of these fifties horror movies. Um, Very it, cheesy yeah, it too. looks cheap, and it just doesn't fit the tone of the film. We have had At this all. this otherworldly being, this timeless being, because I think in the novel the clown's much older, dressed like in the style of very old old times with the clown. Right. Um, yeah, it's like it, it transcends all these these different things. And and then we don't use any of that to finish up and tie up the story nicely. It, it just it. I, I will never understand why that they thought that would be a good idea. It's like, I mean, seriously, we had all this serious, deep psychological horror and creative horror, and then we went back to old school, <laughs> right. silly. You know what I mean? Which is fine in its own time and place. But it didn't fit the movie at all. It's a, I mean, I think the majority of the performers in the film hate it too. See, they give this. But it was uh, about the rest of the film, right? They give this. Uh, they give little. Uh, what's it called? Uh, they they talk about it in spurts. Um, the it wakes up. The being wakes up every thirty years to feed. Right. And when it wakes up to feed, it takes on a form. And when it so it, when it wakes up to feed, it takes on a form. But Pennywise is the psychological thing that they've already. That they're already scared of. So that's the form that he takes to mess with them. And the being, the only way I understood it was the being is the form it takes to feed. And if we, we get to look up and kinda like in the kinda like in Lord of the Rings and the big spiders layer, there's all these and killer clowns, there's all these different people all over this layer. Cocooned. Right, right. That are waiting to be eaten. They're they're food. And because Mike keeps talking about, you know, every 30 years there's a disaster. There was a great flood. There was a mine explosion. There was things happened in Derry. Yeah, he's trying to give the speech. Yeah. Right, right. And so Mike keeps alluding to that. So every 30 years this thing wakes up and feeds. And at one point Pennywise has that great line where he looks at it. He's like, I'm the eater of worlds and children. And he just is just like, oh, it's scary. But it's like, no, it's that set up for something later. It's just, it was so small. Throughout the film, you know, it's like, oh, he wakes up every 30 years and feeds. Oh, you know, he's the eater of worlds and children. And we don't get in this movie the main, the big thing that comes in the book to save them to their aid. So the big spider doesn't make sense. There's people right now that have read this book. Like, guys, I'm telling you, I'm not, not even halfway through it. I just started it. Please don't get mad at us. And you're probably sitting out there right now going, it's this, damn it, it's this. 
Let us know, yeah. but don't spoil yeah, it for we're, everybody. Yeah, we're covering the movie. We're covering the <laughs> we're movie. Covering the movie. Um, right. Yeah, I, fun side story before we wrap up. My dad read this back when it was a new novel right. and threw it across the room. Really? Oh, really? The giant spider part? I won't say it what, but <laughs> okay. the, at some point in the film, just because you're still... Right, oh, okay. we got to talk about this off mic. Yeah. <laughs> at, one, at one point, he, uh, he heaved it. So. Right on, man. Right on. Stephen um, King, not always known for tying up his novels the best, but usually doesn't matter. He's on Maximum Overdrive. <laughs> I love, I love Maximum. <laughs> I love Maximum Overdrive. Don't you get there, man. Um, I, my final thoughts on it is definitely check it out. Check it out in its entirety. Devote the evening to it. You can break it up if you want to, but just sit down and give it all a while. Yeah, I recommend it yeah. to anyone. Do, yeah. a, do a two-nighter. That'd, That'd be fun. Killer. Oh, yeah. right on. That's that would fun. be tough. especially if you got kids or something. Like, yeah, we're gonna do two nights yep. here. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, if if for any listeners who haven't uh, noticed, it's on Blue right now. Warner Brothers put it out. Yeah, uh, they did that. Cat's Eye and Salem's Lot. Yes. Great TV movie. Oh my God! After chasing Salem's Lot for years, guys, yep. pick this up on Blue before it disappears forever. Yeah. So out now. <laughs> um, any final thoughts to finish up? Uh, the kids are all right. Yeah. No, man. I. I enjoyed all the movies we did. I know there was things we didn't touch on. I know, but we've also gone over. So uh, look out for some more things like that in the future. I kind of like theme. I like theme night. It's fun. Yeah. Any uh, final uh, thoughts? It is amazing. Monster Squad is amazing. Gate is okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but they're all they're all they're all good films in their own right. Uh, but it. Uh, Man, that was just kind of a big deal at the time. It felt like everybody watched it when it came on TV. Hey, float down here, Georgie. Yeah, I mean, there's so many good lines from that film. Beep, but beep, Absolutely, Richie. watch them. Watch them. <laughs> Definitely. And uh, I echo your gentleman's sentiments. Uh, spot on and accurate, I would say. <laughs> so we would like to thank everybody for listening. We hope you have enjoyed the show. You know the drill. Uh, check us out on social media. In particular, I'm on Instagram every day at the Midwest Monsters. I post on there every day, interact, talk all things horror movies. So uh, if you haven't already, please give me a follow on there. And for all your Midwest Monster needs, check out www.midwestmonsters.net. Anything, Bones? Right, Bones. Anything you'd like to give a shout out to? Stay and in your pets, please. Cause <laughs> too fucking many out there. <laughs> All right, well, this is the Midwest Monsters uh, signing off. I am Professor Wagstaff. Matt Chan. Rye Bones. And we thank you for listening. Stay scary.